Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. I want to welcome everybody here in the room, everybody watching online as well. Glad you've joined us this morning. So we are in this series called The Master's Plan, I Will Build My Church. It's based on a statement that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. And if you were here last week, we started talking about the Big C Church, the church universal, and some ways that Jesus laid the groundwork for the church. You know, Jesus basically modeled for his disciples, this is not going to be just a come and watch kind of deal. This is going to be a go and do kind of deal. In fact, at the very end of the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, Jesus gathered his disciples together. And this is what he said. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, unbelievably, the mission of that tiny little group in that obscure corner of the world is still going on today, 2,000 years later. I mean, here we are. What are the odds? This text is actually called the Great Commission because it's ours. We have been given this mission together. It is a co-mission, and we're still on it. And notice here that Jesus didn't say, go and make converts, Now, our job doesn't end with simply sharing the gospel with people, seeing people put their faith in Jesus. We're also called to help them grow spiritually. Look again at what Jesus said at the very end, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You know, how's that one going? Just for those of us in here, do you guys got that pretty much nailed, obeying Jesus and everything? Anybody? Now, that may be the great omission from the great commission, right? Obeying Jesus in everything. But you want some really good news? That's not oppressive. It's not a list of a whole bunch of rules. See, the law of Jesus is the law of love. So what this is, is learning how to live in love each and every day, how to love myself, how to love the people I'm with, how to find joy and peace in knowing that I am right in the middle of God's will. That's very, very important. You know, if you want to live the best life possible, what Jesus calls the abundant life, then you got to get serious about saying, I want to put my life, my time, my money, my dreams, my ambitions, my everything under the authority of Jesus. That's the way to live the best life possible. So we're not just talking here about reaching lost people. It's about people out there and people in here growing to be more like Jesus each and every day. So last week, if you were here, we looked at the overarching church and its purpose across the globe. But today and in the coming weeks, we're going to get down to brass tacks. We're going to talk about us here, Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. And so today's message is a little bit inward focused. It's about who we are. It's about the vision God's given us, the mission that God has given us as Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. And we're going to answer the question, what does it mean? Like, what are we asking anyone who says, I'm in, to do? And let's start with our broad vision this morning. It's tied directly to the Great Commission. We say this, we want to reach 
every man, woman, and child with the good news of the grace of Jesus. Okay, there are two key words in our vision statement, reach and grace. We'll come back to that in just a second. But first, let me share our mission with you. You've heard us say this a lot around here. We exist to help imperfect people do life with a perfect God so that they can experience the best life possible. You know, around here, we're all about owning the fact that we are not perfect. Nobody is. And because of that, everybody's welcome, regardless of their background, regardless of their history. We believe that we all meet as broken sinners at the foot of the cross. We are imperfect people. But we serve a perfect God. Right? He is perfect in wisdom. He is perfect in power. He is perfect in all ways. And if we can learn to connect with him and his power, if we can learn to do life with God, if we can learn how to include God in every area, every moment of our lives, then anything, anything, people, is possible. So what are the ways that we help people do life with God? Well, we accomplish this through five means. You ready for these? Authentic community, passionate worship, biblical instruction, relational outreach, and gift-driven service. Now, we're going to drill down on each of these five specific areas in the coming weeks. But right now, I want us to back up. And today, we're going to hone in on that overarching vision we have, that we exist, that we want to reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of the grace of Jesus. That's why we're here, okay? And I want you to notice two things in this statement. First of all, the good news is that Jesus offers grace to all mankind. Jesus offers a free, gracious gift of salvation that's received by faith alone. Second, reach every man, woman, and child speaks to the fact that nobody gets left out. I mean, we may focus heavily on Georgetown, Texas, the surrounding areas, because that's where we live, but we want our reach to be worldwide. And through video, through the internet, through missionaries, we believe we can pull this off. And here's how we intend to pursue our vision. The elders and church leadership, we've actually spent some time recently restructuring, reorganizing our church so that we can pour just an abundance of resources into this vision that we have, into bringing the good news, the unique message of free grace to the ends of the earth, reaching people with the grace of God. And so my goal today is going to be to explain to you what it would look like if we became a church with a fanatical, unstoppable passion for missions— reaching lost people, and also helping people to understand that our God is a God of grace. In those two areas, we consider those to make us distinctive as a church, and they're going to help us to reach every man, woman, and child. So let me explain what this looks like. First of all, when we say free grace theology, what exactly are we talking about? Well, free grace theology means it's, it's a way of understanding the Bible, essentially, it's a way of understanding the Bible that impacts every aspect of the Christian life. Sometimes we think about free grace theology, we think about a gospel presentation. And yes, it starts with that. We get a very clear definition of how are people saved. What does it mean to be a Christian, to become a Christian? But it also extends into how do we overcome sin in our lives and how we live the abundant life that Jesus talked about. So we're going to talk about all that in the future. So first of all, free grace theology in its broadest sense is this. It means that we believe salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, that is our bottom line statement right here. That's what we believe. You know, that was the great cry of the Protestant Reformation, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone. Salvation is 
by grace alone, it's through faith alone, and it's in Christ alone. That is our mantra. Now, unfortunately, lots of churches may say that, but they don't really truly believe it. And let me break this down. Salvation, okay, in the sense of being saved from hell, being given the gift of forgiveness, being given eternal life, that salvation is by grace alone. And whenever you see that word grace, you need to think gift. That's what that word means. Anytime you see grace, just plug in the word gift. See, a gift is not something you work for, is it? You know, it's free. Otherwise, it's not truly a gift. So salvation is this free gift of God, and we would get it how? We receive it by faith, by believing. And notice that each of these statements here contain the phrase alone. That is very important. It means there are no other conditions attached. It's not, okay, you got to believe, and then you got to do something. No, it's faith alone. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace. We get the minute, the very moment we believe in Jesus. It's that simple. Now, I know a lot of you... You may be thinking, well, isn't that what all Protestant churches believe? Sadly, it's not. It's not. You know, I spend a lot of my time studying theology, reading theological journals, watching the theological landscape of churches and seminaries across our country, and I'm going to make a very bold statement up front here this morning. I believe that the gospel message has become distorted in our culture. I believe that the church of Jesus has moved away from the purity of the gospel message to such an extent that if Jesus were to come back today, I think he would have a similar statement to the church as he did to the Jews back in the first century. I believe he would say that as a result of various religious traditions that have been handed down to us over the years, we've muddied the waters of the gospel, and we become bound up in works and legalism just like the Jews back in the first century. And as a result, we have left the simple gospel of grace. The salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. People, most churches, and not just Catholic churches, most Protestant churches have gone back to this mixture of faith plus works equals salvation. Now, I thought about that. The fact that that's happened today shouldn't really surprise us. And here's why. You may not know this, but the very first New Testament letter the Apostle Paul wrote was the letter to the church of Galatia, okay? And this was written in A.D. 48, so we're talking about 15 years after Jesus died. And Paul said the very same thing to those Christians. He said, you guys have left the simplicity of the gospel. You have left salvations by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You've added works back into the mix, And I'm going to read a number of passages here. I want you to pay attention. Listen to what Paul has to say to these Christians. By the way, he addresses them as brothers and sisters in Christ. But they've gone away from the simplicity of the gospel. Galatians 1, 6 to 7 says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, which he says is really no gospel at all. By the way, that word gospel simply means good news, good news. So Paul's saying, you know, you've turned to this message, but it's not good news at all. Galatians 2, 15 to 16, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. 
By the way, that word justified means to be made right with God. You're not going to get there by the things that you do, but by faith in Christ. Galatians 3, 1 to 3. Paul is turning up the heat now. He's going to get a little more intense. He says, you foolish Galatians. Like, who has bewitched you? I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? All right, one more passage. Galatians 5, 1 to 4. Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Boy, those are some powerful statements here. I mean, Paul is very clear about not muddying the waters of faith by adding works to our salvation. In fact, Paul says the minute you start adding works of the law to the salvation formula, whether it's before you believe in Jesus or or like the Galatians, after you believe in Jesus, you are alienating yourself from Christ. You have fallen from grace, Paul says. Well, those are some some pretty serious charges, wouldn't you say? You say, well, how are people guilty of that today? Well, you hear it all the time. I hear it from people. People say, well, yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but then you have to keep doing a certain amount of good works or, or else you're not getting into heaven. Or you know, you have to keep believing. Like if you stop believing in Jesus, then, then you lose your salvation. Now, the Bible says the minute you believe, you're adopted into God's family. So that belief system would say, well, then somehow you get unadopted from God's family. Or they'll say things like, well, you have to keep doing good stuff because if you don't keep doing good stuff, then maybe you don't have real faith or you didn't have real faith or, or, or maybe, you know, you weren't one of God's chosen ones. I mean, the list of things that I've heard, it goes on and on and on. But all of those statements, every one of those statements demand some kind of works, some kind of perseverance, some kind of loyalty to prove that you are a part of God's family. And I got to tell you, they're not compatible. They're not consistent with that statement that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Why? Well, because they take away that word alone, right? And they add some other condition in there. Well, you're not really one of God's chosen, or you stopped believing, or you didn't keep doing good stuff. And in the end, what you end up doing is people end up looking at themselves, like in their own good works, to figure out, well, am I saved or am I not saved? And the inevitable question becomes, well, how good is good enough? And the answer is always, well, you can never be sure. I mean, all these other theological systems say, either explicitly or implicitly, that you can't be absolutely sure you're going to heaven until the day you die. People, only free grace gives you that kind of peace and assurance and rest. Now, are you ready for a shocker here? Right now in America, less than 5% of seminaries, Bible colleges, churches, and denominations really hold to this statement, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, hear me on this. They'll say salvation is by grace. They'll say salvation is by faith. Salvation is in Christ, but not alone. That's the key word. You see, I would say, along with the Apostle Paul, that they have fallen from grace. They have left grace and gone back to legalism. They have left simple faith, relying on the Holy Spirit, and gone back to works of the law. 
And I just think it's human nature. For whatever reason, we all want to do things to merit God's favor. And so it's easy, just like the Galatians, it's easy for us to slip back into that and forget the purity of the gospel message. It is so, so important. You know, I've met people who sometimes they want to add works to the formula as a protective measure. You know, they'll say things like, well, it's got to be in there because otherwise people could just live willy-nilly, right? I mean, doesn't that just give Christians a license to sin? Well, that depends. The answer is yes and no. (laughs) It's yes if you're talking about the fact that your sin can't land you in hell once you put your faith in Jesus. But it's no if you're saying you won't experience consequences for your behavior. People, God will not be mocked. The law of sowing and reaping is very real. Real, It's 100% of the time. You're going to reap what you sow. We're going to talk more about that in the next series I'm doing on grace. But the bottom line is this. There are literally 150 passages in the New Testament alone. Hear me on this. 150 passages that say that salvation is a free gift of God. And it's received by faith alone in Christ alone. So if that statement is not true, then all 150 of those passages are misleading. They're wrong. I've got a hard time believing that. Now, sometimes people ask the question, well, why? Like, why did God set it up this way? Why is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? Well, first of all, let me just say, if it had anything to do with your works, none of you guys in here are going to make it, okay? Hate to break it to you. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of God's perfect standard. God is too holy, too perfect, too righteous. We can't meet that standard. But there's another reason God set it up this way. You ready for this? God doesn't want anybody bragging in heaven. Listen to Ephesians 2, 8 to 9 here. It's one of my favorite passages. The Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works. Why, people? So that no one can boast. No boasting in heaven. See, if your works have anything to do with it, either before you believe in Jesus or after you believe in Jesus, there would be room for boasting. God's not going to have that. You know, the key truth of the Christian life is that we come to Jesus by faith, but we also continue to grow in Jesus by faith. It's not like we start out by faith and then we have to eke out our daily Christian life in our own power. No, we rely by faith on the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. Salvation starts and ends with faith. Look at Romans 1, 16 to 17. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Some versions say from beginning to end. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We not only come to Jesus by faith, we continue to live by faith. Galatians 3, 11 to 12 says, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous, here it is again, will live by faith. And the law is not based on faith. So God wants us to rely on him moment by moment by faith in order to grow in him. You know, another reason salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, it's because grace and love motivate you and I to live for God more than works of the law do, more than guilt does. 
In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. I love that. He's talking about getting out and bringing the good news to other people. What motivates Paul? Christ's love compels us. So here at Hill Country Bible Church, we are motivated by love, not by guilt. Like we live by faith, not by fear. And our free grace belief system allows us to be honest about our sins. It allows us to be honest about our shortcomings. It allows us to say we exist to help imperfect people like me, like you, to do life with a perfect God so we can experience the best life possible. And our belief system also enables us to say we're a church where everybody is welcome, nobody's perfect, but with God, anything is possible. See, I love that about our church. We can invite anybody in our culture to come join us. Why? Because the gift of God is absolutely free. Like nobody has to clean up their life first. No, you come to Jesus first, and then he cleans up your life. So that's our primary passion here, people. It's living and teaching and knowing the grace of God. Okay, there's a second key aspect of our vision, and that is reaching people, that word reach. You know, with so many churches peddling guilt and works and legalism, we're fired up to reach every man, woman, and child with the message of God's free grace. And just so you know, we're committed to giving insane amounts of time and money and resources to this mission, to missions locally, to missions foreign, across overseas. It starts here in our community, you know, caring for people through benevolence ministries and reaching them with the gospel. And then it goes to our our video venues, people out there who are watching us online. And then finally, we are supporting free grace missionaries who are bringing the gospel to the very ends of the earth. And just so you know, right now, we have six individuals, six homegrown missionaries. They came out of our church. Some of them grew up in children's ministry here, went through youth ministry, and now they're adults, and they're out reaching people for Jesus. But six missionaries we support that came from Hill Country Bible Church, And we have another three full-time missionaries that we support out there. We're responsible for supporting three missions organizations that are major organizations worldwide and the work that they're doing. Uh, Right now, we have a couple of church campuses. We not only have this campus right here, but also I preach over at Sun City at 8.30 on Sunday mornings. And then over here at 9.30 and 11, we have a video venue, a video campus in Giddings, Texas. We've got plans to plant more video venues in the future. According to the most recent numbers we've got, we have anywhere from 100 to 200 people who watch us online on a weekly basis. And some of them are here in Georgetown. Some of them are across the nation. We also support a number of awesome organizations locally. The Caring Place is one of them. You hear us talk about these things during the offering. The Pregnancy Help Center. Okay, I just found out this morning from Don Stoops that we got a letter from the Pregnancy Help Center saying in the recent baby bottle campaign, Hill Country Bible Church Georgetown broke the all-time record for giving. So how about a hand of applause for you guys? Yeah. Uh, ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network, Meals on Wheels, Faith in Action. I mean, all these local organizations we support. And just so you know, right now, 26.4% of our budget goes out the door to missions, local and foreign missions, 26.4%. But hang on to your seats. Okay, we have this big, hairy, audacious goal as a church. Are you ready for this? This is big. By faith, Lord willing, one day our leadership hopes to get to 50% of our funds going out the door. Yeah, is that great? Yeah, a round of applause. Let's, Let's pray that God makes that happen. 
You know, that means more than half, like half of our money is not going to be spent on us. It's going to be pushed out to help other people out there in our community and the world know about the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. We're that committed to this mission. And like, why would God not honor that? All right, so we're going to keep upping the ante each and every year and see what God does. Okay, so I've talked a lot about the importance of reaching people, like making disciples out there. But I also realize we're called to reach people here in our church. When we say reaching people, we're not just talking about, you know, turning people from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus, helping them get there, but also helping them to grow spiritually. And so we've got all sorts of ministries going on in our church to do that. Worship ministry, obviously, you guys are here on Sunday mornings. We've got kids ministry, youth ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, all these different ministries. And it's very fascinating because during COVID, a lot of our ministries had to kind of hit the reset button. I'm looking at Troy right here. Kids ministry and youth ministry was almost like relaunching those whole ministries. And you know what? Ministry has changed over the past couple of years. And so we've learned some lessons, and we've actually restructured the way we work in ministry teams here in our church. And there's a lot I could share about this. I'm going to try to boil it down for you here and just share this in a couple minutes. But the main message is this. We are empowering people in the church to do ministry. That's our goal. We want to empower you, the people, to do ministry. You know, on a leadership level, we've actually made some changes from having single individuals who make decisions for a particular ministry area to having teams that make decisions for that area. And so we're working as teams across the board. And it starts at the top with the elder board. You know, that includes myself and a number of other men who serve on this board. And we cast the vision for the church, the big picture direction for where Hill Country Bible Church is going. And we make decisions as a team. I mean, just so you know, no individual elder has any authority in and of ourselves, right? We have authority when we come together as an elder board. And we make all of our decisions prayerfully, thoughtfully, collectively. Okay, so that's the elder board. From there, we've empowered what we call the executive team. And they oversee the other staff members, the various ministries of the church. Right now, that executive team is comprised of uh, Michael Howard, our elder chairman, Don Stoops, our executive pastor, Michael Banyan, our congregational care pastor, and Jason Arnold, our associate pastor. And then reporting to those people are the ministry teams, the leadership teams in our church. And this is important. These teams are comprised not just of paid staff members, but also volunteers in our church. And so many teams I could talk about. Obviously, youth has one, worship, women's, kids. And why do we think this is important? Because no one individual is going to make decisions as good as a team can make decisions. And we also want to see these various teams include people who are hands-on involved in the ministries. Because people who are serving at that grassroots level, they're aware of the needs of other people. They often have key insights into how to be most effective in that ministry. And so I want you to hear this. Notice those arrows go both ways. This is not just a top-down kind of system. There is interaction from the grassroots level up to the executive team, to the elders, and then back down again. The authority and responsibility is decentralized. That's our goal. Because you, you the church, you are the church, okay? Sometimes we think about the church as well. It's Hill Country Bible Church. It's the leaders. It's the staff. No, you the people are the church. And as you take responsibility and you discover your unique giftedness and you use that to reach the people in your sphere of influence, then and only then will the church grow and really have influence in our community and really thrive. So that's our goal. And speaking of that, um, the latest statistics regarding the future of the church in America are kind of sobering. I hate to bring this down a notch, but 
I got to be honest with you here. I ran across this survey. Over the past 20 years, the number of people who say, I have no religion. Okay, when they survey people, they say, I'm not a Christian, not a Muslim, not a Buddhist, not necessarily even an atheist, whatever. But just the number of people who say, I have no religion. In the last 20 years in America, it's gone from 7% to 29%. I mean, that's quadruple in just 20 years. And I thought about that. If that trend continues, I mean, just one generation, we could see Christianity become practically obsolete here in our country. I mean, we are quickly losing relevance in our culture, and we got to turn that around somehow, some way. You know, for me personally, I'm focused a lot more in my job, my day-to-day activities on biblical, theological, and spiritual training. Why? Because I believe bad theology is contributing to so many people leaving the church and so many people out there wanting nothing to do with the church. And so the elders have freed me up from day-to-day operational ministry. They turned that over to the executive team so that I can focus more and more of my efforts on furthering the message of free grace theology. And so I'm busy training up our staff and our elders in theology, doing Bible study methods, uh, raising up the next generation of church leaders here in our church. And we've got some exciting stuff coming in a month or two. We're going to share with you three of our young guys who have been ordained as pastors. So we're cha- training future leaders. My goal is to create a daily devotional based on the sermon that will be online. And hopefully that will be coming in the near future, podcast, writing articles, uh, planting churches, video venues, all that stuff. So we've got some really, really cool things that God is doing here in our church. And let me just close with this. Let's come back to our vision. What is our vision? Reaching every man, woman, and child with the good news of the grace of Jesus. Folks, it's about being a church that knows and teaches and lives out the message of grace. And it's about being a church that has a passionate commitment to living on mission and getting that message out throughout our community and throughout the world. And just so you know, this is going to be driven relationally rather than programmatically. It's not so much about these giant church-wide events. It's about you and I learning our giftedness, serving God, and going out and building his church. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to talk more and more about the essentials of how you go out and live on mission. Don't want to miss it. Let's pray. Lord, so much is going on. I'm excited about what you're doing in the life of our church. And God, as I think about the vision you've given us to reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of grace, I pray that you would just speak to each and every one of us here in this room because I know there's a part you want us to play. Everybody has a part. And God, we want to see our community here in Georgetown reached but we also want to see the gospel go out to the ends of the earth. And I thank you that we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are secure in our faith, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that message is so, so important. So God, I pray that we would take the good news of your grace and and we would reach the people around us with that. Give us opportunities to do just that. And in the coming weeks, as we talk about how do we live on mission, how do we grow, how do we do life with you, I pray for each and every one of us to have open hearts and minds, and that you would just begin to help every one of us to live on mission. Lord, it's, 
it's such a good thing to know that we can be secure in you, to know that you have died for us and that you promise 150 times that if we simply believe that you, Jesus, are the Savior, we believe that you are the one who gives forgiveness and eternal life, that the moment we believe that, we are secure in you. And we can live out of love. We can be motivated by love and not guilt. We can live by faith and not fear. So God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity just to talk about who we are as a church and the mission you've given us. And we just ask as we leave now that we would be aware that your spirit is with us and your spirit has a purpose for each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful week in the Lord.